Hello, my name is Anthony Esser. And my name is Miles Woodfield, and welcome to our podcast, Better With You. Here, we bring together people from all walks of life to dive deep into unique stories of how friendships can shape and guide us for the better. A good friend is family that you find along the way. I actually didn't like him when I first met him. <laughs> anyway. It's beautiful to have friends. So you're pretty much the greatest friend I've ever had. Aww. So I interviewed a friend of mine who is a teacher, and she is actually from Bridgeport, which is about uh, half an hour from where we went to school. Good old Steubenville. Yeah, I went back there last weekend. <laughs> oh, nice. How was that? It was terrible, and I, I shouldn't have gone back. Um, but I went back <laughs> for uh, my wife and I's anniversary. We visited the church that we got married in. And, oh, uh, that's sweet. That was the only good thing about the town. The rest of it was just awful. Um, <laughs> sorry to anybody who lives in Steubenville. Um, only fond memories of the only fond memories. good old Midwestern. I actually, the reason I bring it up is because um, on the subject of this podcast, uh, I was talking to Carrie. I was actually crying on the way back, the drive back, and I was trying. I was really feeling really sad when I left, and hmm. I, I cry a lot more than Carrie does because uh, I'm Irish <laughs> and she's German. Mm, um, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, of course, and um, <laughs> naturally, naturally, and uh, so we're driving back. She's like, "Why are you so sad?" And I was like, "Because that town was terrible." And she's like, why is it terrible? And I was like, well, it's really a terrible place when your friends aren't there. And um, mm. I think that's kind of the general consensus was that it was great living there because you and the rest of our friends lived there with us. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, you know, I'm actually recording this at home and uh, my wife is away uh, for the weekend and, uh, I mean, I have my daughter with me, which is great, but, uh, the pre- previous weekend, they both were away and, uh, it definitely just suddenly doesn't feel so much like a home, <laughs> no matter even like with pictures of us hanging up and everything, you know, when the people we love don't populate a place, it just does that. It becomes a place and ceases to be something special, you know? So yeah, totally relate. Yeah. It, it's kind of a bizarre phenomenon how people can really define a place. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is kind of what the person who I talked to today talks about. Uh, she talks about how she's from this town in, uh, in eastern Ohio and how, um, you know, when she left, it wasn't the same going back because, you know, she, she found new friends somewhere else. And then we start talking about the dynamics of work and how you can have relationships with men and women and how those dynamics change and stuff and she's really uh super intelligent and a person who i really respect a lot um she was sort of like a jiminy cricket to me last year or two years ago i guess nice. in my uh my teaching career when i was uh going through a rough patch and um really a lot of sage wisdom and i really appreciate her so i'm awesome. looking forward to you listening to this yeah all right let's get into it today we reach back deep into the archives of the better with you podcast Much like the Nick interview that debuted a few weeks ago, this interview with my friend Ashley is a little bit rough on the audio quality. We had planned on meeting at a library that was near the two of us, but it was, of course, closed for a holiday when we got there. So, both being teachers, we adapted and set up shop at a fast food place next door to the library. Yes, there actually was a fast food place next to the library. Like, in the same strip mall. 
If you listen closely, you can actually hear the orders of the customers, the cooks yelling at each other, and the ringtones of the people there. I take comfort in knowing that this interview was conducted before Better With You even had a name. Still, I'm sorry for the quality. It is a wonderful interview that I really thought you should hear, and if you can get past the quality, you'll see how genuinely intelligent and kind Ashley is. I always admired her as an educator, as a person, and especially as a friend. The interview starts with Ashley explaining where she comes from, a small town in Ohio called Bridgeport, which is located about half an hour from where Tony and I met in college. Hang on tight, guys. This is a great conversation. I grew up in Wheeling, West Virginia, which was a very small town. Um, It was actually a village based on the population that we had. Um, So I think that kind of brings a lot of unique experiences um, as to who I am in a way that I think of friendships and relationships in general. So, so how, how would you say that friendship is different in West Virginia than it would be like in a big city like Columbus? Because Columbus is a really big city. Mm-hmm. Um, Wheeling, West Virginia has a lot of different pockets, but it's kind of funny um, the way that things work. Um, barter systems are still in place. Barter. So say, for example, my car stops working. And um, in Columbus, Ohio, you would take it to a mechanic and do some sort of payment in order to take care of the issue. Sure. Where um, in Wheeling, West Virginia, if that's a problem, you would go to somebody else who has a different type of service, and then you would offer your service in return. So my dad is actually um, a DJ, and he works at a florist. So very often, if our cars would break, he would take them somewhere and say, do you have a you know a daughter coming up with a wedding or you know anything I can do? Valentine's Day is coming up. Let's finish up with a couple dozen roses. And the exchange would happen. That's... Um... <laughs> That is so old school. It is incredibly uh, old school. Yeah. And I think the barter system in general and just um, the way that family is viewed and relationships are viewed is just very different and it runs incredibly deep. Yeah, there's a, it seems like a very much more intimate kind of um, community to be a part of. Like like in a big city like Columbus, you have a lot of anonymity. Like I can go to the store in Columbus and not know a single face mm-hmm. that, from the minute that I walk in to the minute that I leave. Right. Whereas, like, I imagine in Wheeling, you know the person who cut your meat. You know the person oh, who... Yes. Your, dad, your dad probably knows the person <laughs> in the flower department. Technically, I'm actually on the other side of the river on the Ohio side. So it's Bridgeport um, is the city that I grew up in. And our population, I would say, is around 2,500. So the same students that I started in kindergarten with, I graduated with, we had under 60 kids in our class. So it's one of those towns where if you go home and you say, oh, do you know so-and-so? Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, so so what, what kind of a friend system did you have when you were really young? You're talking like kindergarten to fifth or sixth grade, that kind yeah. of thing. Um, I think that's what makes it kind of fun and unique about um, my school relationships. We had a local community center where we did a story hour program. And the same children that I attended that program with were some of my best friends all throughout school. So we had known one another through that entire time period. So from four years old on, um, you know everything about one another and it is very intimate. And I think it just adds another layer of that idea that when you're a teenager, friendships are very central. I think friendships kind of begin to define who you are, um, even if your personality really doesn't drive that. Um, So again, I think we just really, we grew up together, we knew everything about one another, and 
think a lot of the things about me today are simply from the people that I spent time with. Was it always a positive force, or were there times that it was a negative force, knowing that much, having people know that much about you? Right. Um, in my experience, I think it was a positive force. Number one, it kept you on your toes because if you did something wrong, you know, the person down the road had no problem yanking in by the collar sure. <laughs> and um, correcting things. But as for my um, personal friends, I think it was just a really beautiful thing, to be honest. There were no secrets. And in this town that size, there just, there wasn't really a click system. You didn't really have, you know, the jocks. You didn't really have the nerds. You didn't have that sort of stereotypical idea that comes from larger areas. It would not be an issue for one of our football players to be playing the marching band at halftime. And we all just really mingled and interacted together and there were very few barriers. So did that keep up through uh, high school and college, like your friendships, or sort of did, did they kind of go away or did they come back? Or how, how, did, how did that work? In high school, um, I would say that all of our friendships were very consistent. I think college became a little more difficult um, just because college isn't, isn't as common back home. So I think that became harder when, you know, five to six of us went away to larger schools and then the remaining group members of just, you know, the people that we spent all of our time with stayed back. And I don't think our separation was something that any of us desired. I think we all just moved to different locations, began jobs, and it was just a natural separation. Um, so what, how many were, was in your graduating class? 57. Yeah, so, so five people out of 57 went away and the rest of them stayed back, is that what you're saying? Um, I would say approximately five went outside of the area. We have a couple community colleges, sure. but I would say probably about five okay. of us actually went far. So um, I've heard of stories where people who sort of go away to college and they go to get a four-year degree um, from areas like St. Clairsville or Wheeling uh, kind of looked down upon by the community for kind of like... Um, going against where you're coming from. Um, have you ever experienced that? Yes. Um, it's actually very difficult, and I think um, it's really become more noticeable in our current political climate. Um, I think with a four-year education comes more access to a diverse group of people, a di diverse group of ideas, and you form your own identity, where very often in a small town, your identity just goes with the masses. And... Unfortunately, not everybody by any means, let me state that, um, but a lot of people back home are racist. Um, they have a very small town mindset. And to go back and have these conversations, um, it's difficult. These people that you love and you've grown up with your entire life, you kind of start to lose respect for. And it just kind of sheds light on things that you didn't quite realize growing up. Um, do, do you... Do you fight fights like that, or, or do you kind of let it go and just let people be themselves? Because um, I, I know there's a fine line with friendship mm -hmm. where, you know, calling people onto a higher plane of existence is certainly a part of good friends. You know, mm -hmm. stop doing that. You, you, you're hurting yourself. But also, it's all a certain point in time where you have to say, this is who you are, and I love you anyway. So where do you draw that line between those two? Um, it's been very hard for me because, of course, I love my friends and I love my family members. But sometimes it's hard to ignore things when the issues that bring about the conflict just go so far against your belief system. Um, basic human rights, even. And I think you know this as an educator, you and I both um, 
hearts on our sleeves. We love children, we love people, and we believe in equality, we believe in diversity. And when those central ideas that I believe to my core um, are challenged and other people don't see those, it's very hard to maintain those relationships. Um, but with that being said, I tried because I love my family and I love my friends. So I think there's a fine line where you try to educate and respect while still maintaining a good relationship, I suppose. So being a teacher, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, you know, there's, I mean, we all met students that, or we both, I guess, met students where, um, you know, it doesn't matter how hard you try, people are not going to come to the water, mm -hmm. but you still do your, the best you can to still try to educate as much as possible. Right. Um, so how about, since you've been to the city, how do, how your friend system look here? Yeah, um, I think it's, it's interesting because I, I feel as though I did most of my adult growing up, per se, <laughs> when I was in Texas. I spent a lot of time there in my early 20s. Now that I'm in my late 20s, I still enjoy having a good time. But I think a lot of my friendships are from the workplace, just because I really don't, I don't know, do activities that you do as a young adult. Um, so I think that brings on a new level because I so strongly believe that education is important. And although people in our profession have different ideas and viewpoints, I think because we're all there for children and we all love learning, I think you find a lot of commonality and a lot of people that you can easily mesh with and spend time with. So I don't know if I've had the opportunity yet to have those relationships root in the same way that the relationships from my hometown have, but I would definitely say that there's more in common. Definitely, yeah. Um, so I, 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 so you're saying is most of the friends that you have now, since you're an adult, are less geographically based and more situationally based. Mm -hmm. um, do you, would you say you have a best friend or friends right now? Yes. Um, it's actually really exciting to me. When I moved um, back to this area, um, I have a lot of cousins that I'm very close with and I'm very close with my sister. And one of my cousins growing up lives five minutes away from me when I moved back here. Cool. And, I mean, we spent all of our time together growing up and... Thick as thieves in high school, and for a 10 year gap when we were in college and just going on our own way, we didn't see much of each other. So, when I moved back here, she has three children now and she's married, and it's we have this relationship that we had all through growing up, but it's almost as if we're getting to know one another again. And we've both grown in, I think, a lot of positive ways, and it's just really nice to have that. Um, family tie, home tie, but also have that growth. Sure. I think that's key. As Ashley and I's conversation progressed, old patterns of behavior came to the surface, and the conversation quickly turned introspective. As I mentioned earlier, I've always appreciated Ashley's ability to be vulnerable, reflective, and honest. We frequently talked about her relationships and her dating exploits, usually with lame, piggish men. I believe she trusted talking with me about these things, even though I'm a man, because if you know me, I talk about my wife constantly, and I am, as they say, off limits. Do, do you find that being around a person who you consider a friend who is married and with kids, because you, you are not married, you don't have any kids, is that a difficult thing at times? Uh, to kind of understand, like, um, you know, priorities and family systems and then the dynamics of those things? It is. Um, so I would say that the majority of my friends are actually married with kids. 
um, especially because a lot of my friends are from the church that I currently attend, and I work in the children's ministry. So that's how I've met a lot of people. Sure. They're um, loud, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> um, that's how I've met a lot of people. And I, I'm at a really great place in my life. I'm happy with my current relationship. But I think for a very long time, the desire of my heart is to have my own family and my own kids. So I think in one way, it's great. I get to spend time with these amazing little ones. But then at other times, it does make things a little difficult, just kind of feeling a little bit separate from that because I don't have that element in my life to relate to or really talk about, I suppose. Um, so your your current uh, boyfriend, um, was he a friend before you were in a relationship, or is this guy just jump straight to the relationship, or how did that, that work? He was not a friend. Not a friend, okay. <laughs> so I actually, well, this is a great relationship topic. For one year, I went on quite a few Bumble dates. Uh, Bumble is an online dating platform that you were actually a little bit familiar I with. See, I, see, I seem to remember you doing this a lot, yes. 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 Um, so I did not have a lot of luck with Bumble. Um, I by no means have become jaded toward the male race. I think men are amazing, <laughs> amazing. Um, but I don't think there was that connection that I was looking for. And about six months ago, I was just swiping on Bumble. I kind of not given up hope by any means, but just kind of lowered my expectations a little bit on what a relationship could look like. And I came across a profile. And um, the first sentence was that he just, in general, enjoyed being positive and loved life. He was an educator and had a great passion for music. And you know me, those are three things that are super important to me. Swipe right. Um, and then we went out on one date, and it was wonderful. And then the second date we went out, he looked at me and he said, you're my girlfriend now. And <laughs> which was just very rare in this day and age. I feel as though... For dating, you go through this talking phase for three months where you don't know what you are. Are you a girlfriend? Are you a friend? And um, he was just very matter-of-fact about it in his pursuit, and I like that. So, yeah. Um, bold. <laughs> bold. Yeah. It's bold. <laughs> I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of impressed. <laughs> what a guy thing to do. He's an impressive man. Go for it. Um, so, you mentioned your cousin. Uh, it's a good friend. Is there anybody else who lives around here or even that doesn't live around here that you're friends with? Yeah. Like, like, is there anybody from back home that you keep up with like uh, on a daily basis or weekly basis? Back home, I would not say a daily basis, but I do have two, two really good friends that um, if we just so happen to be in town at the same time and we call one another, it's as if no time has passed. And we still keep in touch and just make sure that we are, you know, we know about each other's lives and the things that are going on. Um, I wish I kept up more because those relationships are so important to me and they're just wonderful people. Um, do you, have you ever had a friend from the opposite sex? This is kind of a dynamic that I think isn't really talked about uh, yeah. a lot. So um, you and I are both of the same kind of religious uh, genre. So um, the idea of you know, gender dynamics is definitely a, a thing that plays into a lot of relationships, yeah. roles and, and, and families and, and um, relationships. So uh, have you ever had a male friend? And if you had, how did you kind of navigate that territory? Yeah, um, I think having platonic male friends is such a good thing. I think um, 
just the way that the female and male brains operate in such a different way can really be a beautiful thing in a friendship. Um, say, for example, at work last year, we would have different problems that would come up. Um, I feel as though, you know, all women are different, all men are different, but I'm wired to kind of sometimes react in a specific way. Where if I sat down with you and we had a conversation, the way that you approach it would be entirely different. And I think it's a very good balance. I, I think that having friends of both genders is just incredibly important. Um, okay, cool. So, thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I appreciate your friendship at work as well. Uh, it was a, it was it was a very um, needed at the time for me. So Agreed. thank you, Agreed. thank you. Cool. Um, so, do, do you have any friends right now who are who are male, or they're pretty much since you're in a relationship, like kind of go away? Um. Well, I think it kind of just comes from this, I guess, time in my life and education is obviously pretty female dominated for the most part. Yes, it is. <laughs> so aside from the few teachers that I rarely interact with and then um, the husbands of my friends, I really do not have a ton of platonic male relationships. Sure. Mm -hmm. Is there a reason for that, do you think? I mean, just convenience or... Um... Maybe uh, social appropriateness or something like that? or You know, I, I guess I think about my friend's husbands, and I don't spend one-on-one -on -one time with them. It's yeah. more, if it's one-on-one, -on -one, it would be um, me spending time with their wives, or if we are as a couple, I think women kind of tend to flock to one another, and sure. we kind of have our own thing, and the guys have their own thing happening. Sure. Um, but the friend that I was referring to from earlier, um, when you asked about any home relationships that I still kept in touch with, um, he is a male and he is engaged and he's going to be getting married this summer and there has never been a blurred line in our friendship it has always been strictly platonic and it has been such a nurturing and caring relationship it's actually kind of funny we had our 10-year reunion this past summer and um, after the reunion our class had walked over to a local bar literally across the street because that's how things work there and, um, school? Yes. Awesome, awesome town. <laughs> how it works. Um, so we were sitting at the bar, and this guy came up to me, and he was just being extremely inappropriate. And instantly, my friend went into action and just, in a very, of course, kind of controlled way, basically said, you need to go away and leave her alone now. And I just smiled, and I looked at him, and we high-fived. And then I would say maybe no more than 30 minutes later, he was playing a song with the jukebox in this highly intoxicated man came up to him and was just saying some really negative things and I find myself getting up and going over and like an attacker and I think it's just always been that way it's been a very brother sisterly sort of friendship and again even though I haven't spoken to him in two months I know if I picked up my phone right now I had an issue we would solve it immediately so Piggybacking off of our last topic, we close our interview by talking about our shared profession and the dynamics of men and women in the workplace and how she navigates the terrain of work relationships. Um, how about uh, work dynamics? Um, you said there's a couple of male teachers that you yeah. work with. Um, do you find that there's any, I mean, not friends per se, but mm -hmm. friendly. Is, is there any sort of conflict in the work, uh, work, workplace from different sort of 
uh, mindsets because of different genders. I, I, being a male teacher mm-hmm. and kind of being a minority in the group, there's sometimes uh, my words be perceived as aggressive or mm-hmm. a little more stern or, or harsh than what they actually are intended. So have you ever noticed that in, 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 in the workplace where like you, the communication breakdown? Or... It's kind of funny because I feel as though the phrase boys club gets thrown around a lot in schools. Um, Especially with the current political climate. It does. And I, of course, I understand that climate and I think a lot of conversations that are happening need to be had. Um, but I think it does give the majority of men a bad name when I don't think it's deserved. And female teachers at all times, and not that this is like a constant occurrence or we all do this by any means, can stay together and gossip and stay in a group and it's fine. But if you have a group of men that stay together alone and in a group, it's a boys club. And I just, I don't think that's fair. Because I know for certain with the men in the school that I work at, if I were to go over and try to speak with them, I wouldn't be shunned and it wouldn't be this negative experience. I think it's just natural that you sometimes go to your own gender with common interests. Sure. Does that make sense? Definitely, yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Feel better about things. Good. Um, Well... Uh, it's been 23 minutes. Uh, I appreciate you talking to me. Of course, of uh, course. Here with Ashley, we are in a very noisy subway in Pickerington, Ohio, because our traditional place is closed today. So, have a great uh, day, Lincoln. Have a great day, Lincoln. Thanks so much for talking to me. Of course. You know what I find fascinating about her interview? What's that? The fact that she says the same thing that almost every person we've ever interviewed has said. Hmm. And that is the fact that she wishes she could stay in better touch with her friends back home and her friends from her past. Yeah. And I wonder, why don't people do that? Can you think of any reasons why people wouldn't try to do that more? Well, I mean, I think it's, like, a lot of effort. I mean, we keep in super good touch, but it's definitely a lot of work, and um, We've also had to kind of work out the dynamic of that's that's kept our relationship afloat. I mean, really, for the most part, you're the one who initiates the vast majority of phone calls, and I've gotten into a jive of pretty much picking up when you, <laughs> most every time you call, and uh, and yeah, so it takes a lot of effort, and I think some people are scared of that, and and uh, and just don't put in the the time to work out that dynamic. Is there a remedy to it? Do you think? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think we always have to, like, figure out what it is that we want from friendships. Um, because I think putting in the work just because someone says it's something you should do. I mean, you know, like we've talked about before, there's not necessarily anything that binds us, you know, in, in, in any obligatory way. You know, we kind of our friends because we want to be friends and we get something out of it. Even if that something is like love and affirmation and encouragement and whatever. So I think it's a matter of, huh? (laughs) This wonderful podcast. Exactly. Right. Um, But I think it's a matter of like trying to discover within ourselves what it is that we're searching for when we reach out for friends and then like responding to that value. Like if we're looking for, you know, personal connection, like that's super important. And we need to put in the work to, to maintain that and recognize that that's some, it's valuable and that 
yeah, we can do that. Um, yeah, but sometimes it's also like, maybe it's not worth the effort. I think, uh, you know, people talk about there's friends for a season sometimes. And, um, and so, you know, it's not always such a tragedy that, that you don't keep in touch with somebody that people come in your life for a reason for a, for a time. And, and then they kind of go out again. And I've had such a, I've had a hard time sometimes reconciling that I'm sad to be out of touch with a lot of people. And I wonder if they are sad as well to be out of touch with me or if they're upset that I haven't reached out or, um, but, um, in the end, I think what's important, even with friends that we're out of touch with, if we really love them, um, is that we want them to be happy, right. And fulfilled. And, and sometimes that doesn't necessitate us being in their lives. Life goes on without us sometimes. And I think friendships can transcend even, you know, interaction and connection. Is there anything else that stuck out to you about this interview? Yeah, I really liked her uh, discussion about um, the importance of friends at work. And and you mentioned her being really important to uh, your life at work and kind of connected to that, the idea that men and women can have friendships, but also the importance of having kind of like same gendered friends as well. And um, I found that to be really interesting and, and kind of touched on my own personal experience, you know, you guys talked about being teachers for a very brief time. I was a teacher as well, and it was really rough reason that it was a really brief experience. And um, one of the women that I taught alongside um, was really important to helping me to get through that time. I was really encouraging. We kind of collaborated on some things. She taught Spanish. So um, with my you know, education in Spanish as well. I helped like tutor a couple of her kids and, you know, we kind of had a friendship. We hung out a little bit outside of uh, school and graded some things together. And um, it was helpful to have someone else in, in the same boat, especially in the same school and being able to relate um, about some of those issues and in that environment. But um, even outside of the school relationship, you know, work friendships are unique too, because they are sometimes, um, you know, have, they have professional boundaries as well. And so it's always a balance between, you know, how much can you connect with a person in an environment where there's boundaries and expectations centered around being a professional. So especially in adult life and once you kind of pursue your career, navigating, finding those means of support are so important. And I have in my work now, awesome coworkers who I enjoy joking around with and, and grabbing a coffee or maybe sometimes even a drink after work. Um, but also kind of keeping our eye on the prize and the goal. And and sometimes work friendships are defined by that shared goal. It's more than just grabbing a beer and having camaraderie, but the relationship's defined by that shared thing that we're working towards. Um, and sometimes you got to be respectful of those boundaries as well to get to that place. So I think it's a super important thing that we could talk about forever, but I appreciated her insights are really connected. Yeah, I mean, I think that she's pretty on the mark with with everything she said, um, and you know, the 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 gender dynamics of friendships really we don't talk about that much on this show. Sure. Um, so, so I'm glad that she sort of brought it up because there is certainly societal norms and expectations, and even gender norms and gender expectations that go into that. And uh, she, um, yeah, it was really good to sit down with her again and have another conversation. Actually, after we turned the recorder off, 
Um, we ended up talking for about another hour afterwards and um, just kind of oh, nice. shot the breeze and talked about her new boyfriend and my kids and, you know, my crappy house that I lived in at the time. And um, But uh, it, it's, uh, it's really good to have people who you know are there for you regardless of what their gender is and regardless of what, you know, sure. society might say as a friend. A friend is what a friend does. And uh, I, I think that's always good to be reminded. Yeah, but I appreciated her also kind of, like, respecting kind of the uniqueness of our, like, gender experience, right? Like, when I was growing up, I tended more towards that countercultural, like, most of my friends were girls, um, and I still, like, get along with women in a particular kind of way. Um, but when I got to college, I connected with you guys, you know, and, and some of my the guys in my dorm, and, and then um, with guys in our, in our friend group, and... Um, and that became really important to me. Those relationships were different. And part of it did have to do with our different, but also shared experience of being a man and being a guy in, in the world today. And, and, you know, what that implies and the challenges and, um, and things that it brings. And, um, so it was really important to like, kind of navigate that, that space with, with other men as well. So I appreciated her kind of like giving space to say like, Hey, that's natural and okay as well. Um, as long as we're like welcoming to each other and not being so exclusive or, or whatever. So that was a, yeah, interesting back and forth there. All right. Well, uh, thanks for hanging out with me and listening to this. I really appreciate it. It is always a pleasure. The pleasure is all mine. Better With You is hosted by Anthony Esser and Miles Woodfield, with help from Pat Hicks and our creative producer, Sarah Bisha. A big shout out to Andy Bisha and New Radio Media, who have a ton of shows that are just as awesome as ours. If you like this podcast, remember to review us on iTunes and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We absolutely love making this podcast. And as always, it's better with you.